0: The hiring cycle heating up around the NFL, the Denver Broncos, and Chicago Bears now have head coaches to take their teams into the future. To help us break it down today, we've got Lauren Cox, the host of Locked on Bears. What's it mean for Chicago and Denver with their new hires? Coming up right now.
1: You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson
2: NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. We've got a good one today. One of our favorites, Lauren Cox, joining us. Let's talk Chicago Bears. They've got a new GM, a new head coach breaking now this morning as well the Denver Broncos have hired their new coach we'll get to that at the end of the podcast as well at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL is where you can find us on Twitter thanks for making us your first listen every day tomorrow we'll get into those NFC and AFC championship games but today let's talk new regimes in the NFL with today's guest always love talking Chicago Bears with Lauren Cox. Let's check in on what's going on with the NFC North. And wow, what timing having Lauren jump on the show at this on this (laughs) Thursday morning. Well, morning for me. It's getting into uh, the afternoon for for Matt and Lauren there. A new head coach, not only a new GM that we were going to talk about today for those Chicago Bears. So some decisions have been made. Lauren, first, appreciate you joining the show. And uh, not only Ryan Poles as GM, it looks like he's worked fast and made some decisions and his hiring former Colts defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus, as head coach of the Chicago Bears. So congratulations on all your success with the podcast and congratulations on having a new front office and head coach in Chicago. Yeah, Bears fans are really excited to go from a Ryan P. General Manager and a Matt Head Coach to a Ryan P. General Manager (laughs) and a Matt Head Coach. I
2: didn't think of that. That's pretty good.
0: (laughs) Well, the first thing (laughs) I thought of really quick, Lauren, is because Ryan Poles came from the Kansas City Chiefs, correct? Yes. And Matt Nagy came from. That area, and it was like, well, you already went to that well. Maybe you go to another franchise and another organization first, but uh, they didn't stick with the with the coaching tree there uh, under Andy Reid, and they did go um, to uh, the Colts coaching tree with Matt Abravases. But I, th- I did th- thought that was interesting to fire somebody and go back to the same organization to hire the GM.
2: Well, I mean, it limits you when you only go after Ryan Pease and Matt's as head coaches. That's true. There's only so many right. to pick from, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know- <laughs> I think I think Bears fans are able to build enough separation in their mind. I mean, like obviously, yes, Poles is kind of from that same sort of tree, but he at least, you know, he survived three different general managers in Kansas City. Started under um, Scott Pioli and then was survived through Dorsey and now Brett Beach. And so he's at least got like a nice variety of management styles he's worked under. You know, he's worked through their scouting department on the college side and for the most part – Some fairly consistent drafting over those years in Kansas City. I mean, never perfect, but as good as most teams drafting can be when when polls is in that. And of course, involved in the Patrick Mahomes pick, certainly not going to give him credit for all of that. But you know, it does seem like he's worked his way up well enough in the organization, a really well-regarded guy. And that's about as much as we can hope for in a candidate, right? We don't know whether that'll translate to being a great general manager, but seems to at least check a lot of those boxes, even if he does come from the same team Matt Nagy came from.
2: Yeah, I always think general manager hires are hard to comment on, you know, just we don't really know. We're not behind the scenes, but he does seem to have a good track record. Um, They don't have a first round pick, your Bears, but they have about 40 or 30 million in cap space. You know, what do you think his priorities are going to be, you know, to use that money?
1: Yeah, certainly the priority for everything in the organization is going to be how you're going to build around and support Justin Fields, right? Sure, sure. So, like, so that's that's going to be the overarching theme for any and all things they do from here on out. But in terms of like more logistically, certainly um, Ryan Poles and the Chiefs have some experience retooling an offensive line very quickly last off. point. Yeah, there may be the Bears have some young pieces there, but James Daniels is a free agent. They could use a new center. They might move some guys around there depending on what they do up front. And then they currently have one wide receiver under contract for 2022, and that's uh, Darnell Mooney. And so they're probably
2: going to need a few more of those. Probably need more than that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah for Justin Fields. And then whatever they're going to end up doing at tight end of how much they believe in Cole Komet, there's still some development there. Like, it, there's going to be a lot of those wiggle room pieces to try and get the right weapons for the right offense for whoever Matt Everflus is going to bring in as his offensive coordinator, which now becomes instantly priority number one.
0: It starts to get a little bit worrisome, right? So you have a rookie quarterback who's got a new coaching staff going into year two. You hire a defensive-minded head coach. If the offensive coordinator is a hit in Chicago, he might have to move on, and and maybe he gets a head coaching job, right? So by not hiring an offensive-minded head coach, you do open up the door a little bit to, even if there's stability at head coach, More offensive coordinators and more different offenses for your young quarterback to to potentially have to learn going into the future. And, you know, I guess in in some ways it'd be a good problem to have if you do have really good offensive coordinators that get head coaching jobs in other places or God forbid it's a bad offensive coordinator and the offense is bad. You have to fire an offensive coordinator, but you open the door for uh, um, for less consistency for your young quarterback, which is something that he probably needs more than anything right now.
1: Yeah, that's that's going to be the number one fear here for Bears fans, right? I mean, the sort of the Lovey Smith thing over and over again, not that they quite had a Justin Fields in the Lovey Smith era, but just a a lot of turnover at offensive coordinator never really seeming to get that spot right, even as in that case, the defense thrived for so many years. And and I think Bears fans have a little bit more of an appetite for this. I think after having gone through the Tressman and Nagy eras with John Fox in between, but Fox didn't have great offensive coordinators either, but feeling like. Even if they had hired the offensive coach, would they have trusted that that offensive coach was going to be the right one to develop Justin Fields anyway? I mean, it, it, there's first guys with potential, but we thought Matt Nagy had that potential for, for Fields and for, for Mitch Trubisky was the whole reason he was brought in. And of course, the offensive head coach wasn't ultimately the right guy. So it, it's more about how, how you know, do you trust the coach to hire good coordinators, whether he's an offensive coordinator, or like an offensive head coach or a defensive head coach. And that's that's really going to be, I think, what Bears fans measure Matt Eberflus on more than anything
2: else. This is all happening very quick and I don't know a ton about polls and but Floos has been a a really solid coordinator for Indianapolis. I mean a very um opportunistic defense, not the most complex schemes out there, you know, execution, uh te- te- you know, teaches good technique. I wonder, I'm just kind of spitballing here. I think the immediate order of business if I was Bears ownership would be like, "Hey Matt, you here's the defense that you inherited. Go shape them the best you can. And hey, Ryan, here's $40 million and a bunch of cap space. You you deal with the offense with the resources. You know what I mean? Like almost just really diversifying it that much.
1: Yeah, I think that that's really what I think the Bears are looking for is for Eberflus to be able to get – more out of some of the talent that they have on defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still have glue and Robert Quinn still have Roquan Smith. Eddie Jackson was such a shell of himself last year. They're sort of looking for him to get better potentially under a new scheme. And, and Jalen Johnson, right? They, they have these pieces at, at every level for the most part that, you know, you'd like to see the young up and coming defensive coordinator find the best way to make those guys successful. And, and I do think what I like about Eberflus is that or Eberflus that, you know, throughout his career, he's worked under some very different defensive coordinators and defensive schemes. You know, he, I think he was he, his first year in college. He actually was playing under Nick Saban, and then with with Gary Pinkle at Missouri, and then Rob Ryan with the Browns and the Cowboys, and then Rod Marinelli with the Cowboys. So he's got everything from you know an aggressive three four style scheme to some of the Saban stuff to some of the Rod Marinelli more like not fully Tampa two anymore, but like he's got such a wide variety of schemes that the idea is that he can bring bits and pieces of all those backgrounds and find ways to then take the talent that they already have defensively and squeeze more out of it the way I thought he did a really good job of doing that in Indianapolis where there's not blue chip players at every level, not a lot of household names. And there's a few here and there, but he was able to get lesser players to play above their sort of name recognition. And that's what the Bears are looking for with the pieces they already have.
2: You mentioned Eddie Jackson. I, I think of the safeties in Indianapolis. Nobody knows their names, but they're great. You know what I mean? It's yeah. <laughs> a good point.
0: With Matt Aberflus, and we haven't had a chance to hear him speak yet, how much research did you do on him? How much research did you do on... Uh, and on Ryan Poles I assume that once they were candidates you know you, you kind of did some background and had some ideas about what you thought the Bears should be doing in the direction they should be going where did Poles and Eberflus rank for you before this whole thing started and if I told you a month ago okay Nagy's gone it's going to be Ryan Poles from Kansas City Eberflus from the Indianapolis Colts as head coach would you have said oh yay home run hires or oh my gosh that means you know whatever else didn't happen you know Jim Harbaugh is is, is I guess not walking through that door or maybe one of the 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 other superstar offensive coordinators in the league, you know, Brian Dable, I thought would have been a perfect fit with a young quarterback there in Chicago. Where does Poles and Eberflus as the tandem to lead this team into the future rank for you?
1: Yeah, certainly it's a lot harder with the GM candidates to really separate a lot. But I I really thought Poles hit a lot of the sort of. Boxes you're looking to check with, with a young ascending general manager in terms of, again, working under different management and different ideologies, surviving different GMs to, to show that, you know, different GMs come in and don't remove him, don't want to clean house with him specifically. They might change other people, but they valued him in that organization. He's also a former player, a former offensive lineman for the Chicago Bears, actually. He was, they signed him as an undrafted free agent out of Boston College. Where at Boston College, he blocked for Matt Ryan as well. I mean, he's best friends with Matt Ryan, so like he's he's got all these different things. That, like he, he, prior, he seems to prioritize the right positions. He's done well as a scouting coordinator and has been from a stable, more or less well-run organization. So that's that's about as as good as you could hope for in the GM search. Head coaching wise, it, it always felt to me like kind of a down cycle for head coaching candidates. Where yeah, well said. Yeah, everybody everybody brings their flaws into this mix. You know, like there's there's a lot to like about pretty much all the candidates but there's not like that like golden boy like oh everybody's going to really want to hire I mean Brian Dable sort of became that more as the Bills offense exploded in the playoffs there against the Chiefs like he became the, the last minute kind of hot candidate but even throughout the season right Dable has had down offenses over the years and even Bills fans will complain sometimes about Dable not running the ball enough and doing some things here and there. I mean not not anything like significant enough to be like oh no I'm not going to hire him as a head coach but it's like All these guys have questions. Byron Leftwich with the Buccaneers. How much of that is Tom Brady, you know, or one year with Winston? Like, is it really his offense? How much is he going to be able to do? You know, Dan Quinn with the Cowboys. How much has things changed there? Brian Flores with the Dolphins. You know, some ups and downs there, but certainly all quality candidates. Sure. So it's like, I'm not left super disappointed. Like, ah, the Bears settled for Eberflus and missed out on hot shot candidate. Because I I, know I do have fears that Dable, for example, could be one of those better offensive coordinators, not as good head coach type players. And that's not to say that Eberflus couldn't be the same thing on the defense, but they all kind of carry those warts. And I, I would have I would have put Jim Harbaugh at the top of the list just because there's a, a certain connection to Chicago and the success that he's had. But it sounds like he was asking for maybe John Gruden-level money-type demands to be a head coach to take him out of Michigan. And, you know, Bears weren't quite
0: ready to make that, and I, I do kind of understand that. More with Lauren Cox on Justin Fields, the direction of the Chicago Bears, and the potential wide openness of the NFC North next. How would you like to make cash back just for doing something you are already going to do? Likely listening to this podcast in your car, maybe to or from work. You're going to get gas anyway, right? How about cash back every single gallon, every single time you fill up? For 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up, cash back download the get upside app and use promo code touchdown don't pay full price at the pump anymore get cash back using get upside just by downloading the app for free then use promo code touchdown for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank some people who drive a lot are making as much as 2 or 300 dollars a year in cash back and there's no catch the cash just gets added right back into your account. You can cash out any time to your bank account from GetUpside uh, right to your bank, to PayPal, to an e-gift card if you want, Amazon, and tons of other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your very first tank. Everybody who gets gas needs to know about free cash back with the GetUpside app and a promo code TOUCHDOWN.
2: So, Lauren, we talked a little bit about Justin Fields. You know, are you – we don't know who the offense coordinator is. I'm not even talking about his future supporting cast. Are you as excited about him now as when they drafted him, more or less? Are you seeing any bad habits? Are there any unexpected traits that you are excited about? You know, give me your pretty deep scouting report on him after one year.
1: Yeah, it's – I think the excitement has – waned a little bit, not that it's, you know, red flag doomsday or anything just yet, but like there were this rookie season did not go as well as Bears fans were hoping. And really anybody in the Bears organization was hoping it's just hard to tell how much of that was fields and how much of that was, you know, uh, coaching staff that was not ready for him to take over when he did in week three. They didn't really have a plan together. They, they freely admitted that like they were still figuring out fields and learning what was best and not best for him. Six weeks plus into him as a starting quarterback. Like, it just didn't seem like they were prepared in any way, shape, or form. So it's like, yes, Fields made some poor decisions and was a little bit prone to run a little bit more quickly than you would have liked him to, but they were also trying to coach him to run a little bit more quickly. So it's like, it's so hard to draw that line of like what's a very real concern about Fields and what can be easily replaced with a a coaching staff that's much more committed and dedicated to building around him and planning for him to be their quarterback. I I, I do think we saw enough flashes from him, some late game drives that scored touchdowns to put the Bears ahead, even if they didn't get the quote-unquote game-winning result, but at least gave them late leads in some of these clutch moments and some really difficult downfield throws, some great plays in the red zone. the, The phrase I've always come back to is that Justin Fields makes the difficult things look really easy. But unfortunately, some of the really easy things have looked difficult for Justin Fields. Hmm. I feel like it's much easier to get a quarterback to do the easy things than it is to get the quarterback to do the hard things. And he's already doing the much more difficult things at quarterback. So that still leaves me with enough hope and optimism that if the right offensive coordinator and coaching staff is in to develop him and they get the right personnel to build around him, there's still plenty of the Bears can squeeze out of there and find some level of franchise quarterback. Maybe maybe he's not going to be top five Patrick Mahomes, but can he be still good enough to potentially lead them to a Super Bowl with the right talent? Absolutely.
0: And talent wins out, too. And when you see someone like Josh Allen and and the disaster he looked like, you know, even back in college, and just the raw talent that's able to rise to the top if you get some good coaching. And I have to imagine that in the end, and look, on the outside looking in, I'm not in those meetings. I don't follow the team as closely as you do, but I'm watching a super talented quarterback every single week, and I'm thinking, well, there's got to be something better than just running running all hitches and hooks every single play right <laughs> like there's there had to be something else over the course of the season that they could have figured out with this young man and and I understand that maybe the quick game is something he's still developing needs to get the ball out faster um but i i just really the 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 more the season went on it was like this is not working at all and they're not helping him out at all and so when i think about uh, when i think about you know head coach candidates bringing in a defensive guy maybe that's the complementary part of football is what could help Justin Fields even more than having another you know offensive guru offensive genius come in and and try to you know work magic with him and and have all this fancy stuff uh, on offense and bells and whistles how about play some defense and run the ball to help your young quarterback out more than anything else
1: yeah that was something they struggled to do so often under Matt Nagy I mean the defense kind of waned and waxed you know over the years there and they, they kind of started figuring some things out later in this past season but the the it's not the, the inability to run the ball. It was just the lack of desire to run the ball in Chicago was so often a problem with Matt Nagy. And it just seemed like they were, it was never really making Justin Fields job easier. Like I think he thought, oh, well, curl routes are easy for a quarterback. So let's, let's run curl routes and it'll you know, just make the the quote unquote throws easier as opposed to like the concepts easier, or the decision. Cause like field does not a quick three-step drop and get the ball out, release quarterback. And like, yes, that's quote unquote supposed to be, Easier, but it's not necessarily easier for Justin, and that's what it always felt like with Matt Nagy, is that like it needed to be done sort of his way or what he thought was going to be best for the team, which like tended to work in Kansas City with the way that Andy Reid thought things were going to be best for the team, but didn't fit what the Bears wanted to do personnel wise all that much. And so, yeah, I don't think it's. You know, I think Fields has the talent where he doesn't necessarily need the the most like innovative scheme as long as it's tailored to his skill set. As long as he can throw the ball downfield and let it rip, it doesn't need to be you know, these wild route concepts or anything kind of crazy. I mean, roll them out of the pocket and let them chuck it. Like that's not, that doesn't have to be complicated, (laughs) especially if you run the ball and can run some play action off of that. Make his job easier. Don't make him have to do so much of the work.
2: The quarterback of the defense is Roquan Smith. And I think people need to realize like young quarterbacks, true linebackers really have a tough time their first year or two in the league. You know, Leonard didn't in Indy, but, Almost all these guys come in the league and get fooled by play action and jet motion and all the stuff that gets thrown at them. And I thought this past year, Roquan really matured and turned into a really solid pro. I think his ceiling might be the best linebacker in the league now with So.
1: You can definitely see him sliding into that Darius Leonard role in this Colts defense and being able to run with it. I I, I agree 100 percent that he he seemed to settle down quite a bit more in pass coverage and just yeah that understanding of not you know not getting caught with his eyes following something, watching the wrong thing, but just like that taking that next step from like knowing what he's supposed to do to like instinctually reacting it's not he's not thinking anymore he's just able to feel and you know attack downhill when he sees it or see even see it before his eyes can see it but know where the ball is going to go before it does particularly in the passing game I, I was left very underwhelmed in, in the running game and that's never been his strength but there's so often he, he gets so aggressive and wants to shoot a gap but kind of like Tremaine Edmonds did in, in Buffalo where it's just like yeah, yeah. he's going can attack where he thinks the ball is going to go or where he thinks the ball is coming and he'll End up giving up a cutback lane here, or there, or certainly he's not he's never been great at taking on a block and stacking and shedding. But in the modern NFL, that pass coverage is what's so valuable and what's so much more important. And, and he certainly makes up for run-to-game deficiencies with with how excellent he's been on that back end. And I think he, he is gonna be so critical to this Eberflus defense in particular that he he's gonna be, like you said, the the quarterback of the defense, but also just like the the emotional leader. And that's such an important thing for Eberflus. Like he's supposed to come in as this really, you know, like known to be guys buying in and sort of the players perpetuate his culture across the Colts defense. And they, they sort of are able to pick each other up and and be those coaches on the field. And the Bears just haven't quite, even under Fangio, right? It wasn't quite that style of culture. I think defensively, it was still like Fangio is the defensive mastermind. And he's the one with, he's pulling all the strings and all the tricks. But with Everflus, it's like he he's more of like empower his players to, kind of take ownership in the scheme on the field and coach themselves a little bit more and kind of permeate that from top to bottom in the roster. And Roquan's got to be the guy very much in the middle coaching on the field.
0: Uh, One more question about Ryan Poles, the GM, and the decision-making there in the front office as they build this roster out. And obviously you got to surround Justin Fields with some talent. Alan Robinson a free agent feels like he's you know already had one foot out the door halfway through the regular season even though he's a really good signing for them and he's still a, a relatively young player in the league but that that just that disappeared last year I don't know what was going on there and if he would be in the the plans for the Chicago Bears going forward but aside from that just looking at the draft if if I was interviewing Ryan Poles or uh, someone from the 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 Chiefs organization obviously you know you're you're asking him about all the the players and evaluations that they've gone through in the past and it's like yeah he's like oh yeah we had this whatever grade on Patrick Mahomes and I, here was my scouting report and but I would also want to hear Ryan Poles say but. The dumbest thing we did was draft a running back at the end of the first round after we went to the Super Bowl, and the smartest thing we did last year was go back to the meat and potatoes and go back and get some offensive linemen in there because that's what really got this team back to the AFC Championship game. Like, uh, uh, there's no first round offensive linemen in the in the Bears' future, I hope, right?
1: Well, yeah,
0: they certainly don't. They don't have the first round pick right away, which is which is key.
1: I mean, and I'm <laughs> curious if, if he would, he might say his dumbest decision was Jonathan Baldwin with the first round pick in 2000. Ooh, that yeah, was, so uh, <laughs> I believe he my was
2: pick guys didn't turn out so great. He,
1: he was college scouting coordinator, so not director of college scouting, but definitely uh, intimately involved with some of those picks. But but no, I think I think there's a, a solid foundation of of what they've been able to do for the most part in Kansas City. I was talking to Ryan Tracy from Lockdown Chiefs about this just yesterday, and he was saying how kind of over the years. As they went from Dorsey to, to Veach, you know, they kind of shifted from prioritizing more like, you know, like solid, like high floor players in terms of like what they were able to produce in, in college, to more of like the or actually the other way around. They started with with more of the the high the high floor. What did they produce in college, and how can I see that directly translate on the field? To going for more of like the athlete who maybe hasn't proven it yet, but can be the bigger swing for the fences and can show you something, can, can be a little bit more in the NFL than what you had in college. And I'm curious to see what philosophy Polls ends up taking, because he was involved with both sides of, of those decision-making processes. It does seem like he also has a really good balance of like John Dorsey, football guy, we don't like analytics, we like tough guys. And of course, Polls was also an offensive lineman. But then also to Veach, knowing where analytics can be helpful and where they can find those little edges to give them some of those competitive advantages, whether it's in the draft or in free agency or elsewhere. So it's all a matter of like how he's going to take that mixture and apply it to Chicago. But it seems like he has all the different pieces that you want in that mixture. It's just a matter of, you know, how, how it turns out when you apply it to a new franchise, which again, like they thought they were getting from Ryan Pace in, in from the new Orleans saints and some of the things they had done well, they thought they were getting from Matt Nagy with some of the things he had done well in Kansas city and translating it to a new team and a new, structure is is always the big challenge and that's why it's gonna be so fun to watch how it plays out
0: it's gonna be so fun to watch this division too because if aaron Rodgers goes and look even if he sticks one more year he's not going to be around for that long in green bay so this is a sort of a shotgun start if rogers was to go to the afc say in the next couple of weeks Everybody start at the 20-yard line, 25-yard line, see who gets to the end zone first in the in the NFC North. And uh, why not the Chicago Bears, right? Uh, real quick, out the door here, have you heard anything about whispers about an offensive coordinator, what that might look like for Iberflues Eber, and the Bears?
1: Yeah, a couple of names that came up right away, both kind of in this um, Frank Reich slash Nick Sirianni Eagles-Colts connection here. Uh, one is Mike Groh, who is the current wide receivers coach of the Indianapolis Colts, I believe had been... Mm-hmm. A, a coordinator in the past and was also the bears wide receivers coach in, in yeah he was the eagles call offensive coordinator from 18 to 19 and was the bears wide receivers coach uh under i believe that was mark tressman so there's, there's some chicago connections there and plenty of colts slash right connections with him and then the other one is the eagles current passing game coordinator whose name i'm struggling to think of off the top of my head and i'm filibustering here as i pull it up on my computer screen <laughs> uh is mike
0: grow al grow's son
2: G R O H?
1: Yeah. yeah. GR The other guy is Kevin Petulo. Pat- he's the passing game coordinator for the Eagles. He was the Colts pass game specialist the year before and then their wide receivers coach for the previous two years prior. Hmm. So he's been pretty intimately involved with hmm. uh with Iberflus in Indianapolis. Neither one strikes you as like, oh yeah, home run quarterback developer slash, you know, innovative offensive schemer. I mean, I think in 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 Philadelphia it was kind of weird with with Hertz and how they were trying to still figure out how the offense should be tailored to him. And even like Rivers in in with the Colts were not necessarily like downfield passing the way that Justin Fields would want in his offense. But those weren't quarterbacks with the same skill set exactly as Justin Fields in terms of what they do well. So presumably coach the coaches seem to do a decent enough job of putting their quarterbacks in the positions that were supposed to work for them. So can they then do that same thing for Fields in his own way? That would be the hope, but not like sexy household names as like you know, compared to like Jim Caldwell was initially the name that they thought they might that Bill Polian might try and pair with Matt Eberflus and go, okay, we want you to have this veteran offensive coordinator that Polian is kind of hand-picking for you. I don't think that's been ruled out either at this point.
0: Fantastic stuff, Lauren. Appreciate the time and going to be really exciting to watch this Bears team and uh, the the new generation. And I still have a lot of hope for, for Justin Fields. I mean, too much talent there. And I love the way you put it about making the – the tough things look easy and the easy things look tough. It would seem like that's the, the easier thing to fix, right? And, and so we'll see if that's the case for the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields going forward, because as Fields goes, those Bears will go in the near future. Good luck to you, sir, and appreciate you joining us here on the Peacock and Williamson Show. Hey, anytime, fellas. Thanks for having me. The Chicago Bears, not the only team with a new head coach. What's going on in Denver and new coach? Does that mean new quarterback? Fewer and fewer NFL lines, as there's only two games now on the docket this weekend. Championship weekend. Who do you like? 49ers or Rams? Bengals or Chiefs? You can find those lines at betonline.ag. But the props are still unlimited. Tons of fun to be had throughout the playoffs and, of course, during the Super Bowl. That even grows even more. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the best sports wagering for the 2022 year new year new updated desktop and mobile website sign up today and receive your 50 welcome bonus on your first deposit just use promo code locked on to get started not just football you've got basketball college and pro hockey boxing ufc your favorite vegas casino games poker blackjack don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers in 2022 Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, Matt. A lot changing in the NFC North. The Green Bay Packers have lost their offensive coordinator now, Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, he is being named the Broncos head coach. So, some breaking news today for us on the podcast. The Denver Broncos are going to go with Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett as their next head coach. Uh, there's some whispers that maybe. Uh, Byron Leftwich is going to be on his way to the Jacksonville Jaguars, as it's been, you know, a really nice rumored fit for a long time now, although nothing official there. But we got to focus on the Broncos here now, Matt, because the obvious connection obviously is Aaron Rodgers now and there was already a lot of heat with potentially the Denver Broncos being a destination in trade for Aaron Rodgers. Now, a guy that Rodgers has publicly um said some very glowing things about his offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett is going to be the next head coach there. Can we connect those dots? Is this going to happen? Is Aaron Rodgers going to Denver along with Hackett, Matt?
2: I don't know how you don't connect those dots. Uh, first of all, Left which to Jacksonville, to me, makes tons of sense. We'll get to that if and when it happens. This makes a lot of sense. Hackett has a very strong reputation. His dad was a really good coach. Um, I remember whenever he was head coach of the Jags, he came up here as big underdogs to my Steelers in the playoffs and just gouged a really good defense, a Pittsburgh defense. And he's done really good things in Green Bay, and they've won tons of games, obviously. Uh, it's pretty well known that him and Rodgers have a great connection. So, we could do more more Hackett talk, but I don't think you need our wonderful insight here to connect the dots about Aaron Rodgers to Denver, potentially. I mean, last draft, I really thought it was going to happen, you know, on round one of the draft, that Rodgers would be a Bronco then. And even after they took Sertain, I went, boy, I think Sertain's going to end up as a Packer. And now, the pack, you know, I, I think we have to look at this. I mean, we mentioned it earlier in the week. Green Bay is... 40 million over the cap. Denver is 40 million under the cap. Uh, I think I could arrange Rodgers and maybe Devontae Adams contract to, you know come come to the the mountains you know. I mean I think that's possible. Send them the ninth pick Jerry Judy future first, you know. I mean all of a sudden Green Bay might have some things to build around.
0: It's crazy to say, but I almost feel like I wouldn't even I wouldn't try to add Devontae Adams to the package if I was Denver because they have cost controlled receivers and theoretically right, right, right. it's Rodgers that helps those guys get better and you don't have to throw all 40 million dollars out the window in one move, right? And then, mm-hmm. you know, the the Packers could figure out whatever they need to do with uh with Devontae Adams there and and they could get you know because obviously it's going to cost a lot more to get Devontae Adams and and not just Aaron Rodgers unless you know Rodgers is trying to do a power play and 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 really control things and, and make sure that Devontae goes with him so that'll be very interesting if that happens maybe it's just coincidence maybe it's the the Broncos with some wishful thinking saying hey look here's the tiebreaker we like these couple of candidates Maybe this candidate helps us get Aaron Rodgers. So is that enough to put him over the top? Who knows? But it's very, very easy to draw those uh, connections between the Broncos, Aaron Rodgers, and now their new head coach, former Packers offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. And that is, I mean, it's going to be exciting. And the NFC North, somewhat like the, the NFC South that we talked about recently, too. You know, if Brady retires and Rodgers is gone, those two divisions in the North and the South, it's just, it's wide open. And um, yeah. it, it makes for I mean, it'll, it'll make for a fun 2022 season, that's for sure. And the team that figures out coaching and, and quarterback first could run things for a while in both of those divisions.
2: Absolutely. I mean, really, the conferences have changed dramatically over the last month or so as well. And if this Rogers thing does happen, the AFC is like all the best quarterbacks in the league, you know, and then let alone if yeah. Brady retires by chance. And, you know, I mean, like you said, the south and the north are pretty barren all of a sudden. You know, the AFC West would be just loaded. You know, that Herbert's the third best quarterback in the division or Carr's the fourth best quarterback in the division is nuts. Um, I I just threw the Adams thing out there just because, you know, it's it's fun. But, man, I mean, I I think you even mentioned this around the draft last year. What would Jerry Judy do with Aaron Rodgers? I mean, boy, that pairing would be fun.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it took Devontae Adams a few years, and I, I yeah. think there are some similar—I think Devontae Adams even in college back at Fresno State, because I remember watching a lot of Fresno State and, and really scouting hard that class and, and watching Derek Carr overthrow. I, I think there's a lot of preconceived notions I have about Derek Carr, because I, I remember thinking, man— Devontae Adams is a lot better than Derek Carr and he's saving his hmm, ass a okay. lot of times because Derek Carr would overthrow him and Devontae Adams had this vertical leap and would go up and bring down anything that was near him and he got targeted so much and I was like man Derek Carr without Devontae Adams at Fresno State probably wouldn't even be a second round draft pick that was you know sort of my evaluation at the time and obviously Derek Carr has become a really good player but Devontae Adams just how good he's gotten and and what he's been able to do with his short area quickness and being able to get open and and Jerry Judy has a lot of those qualities and, and and having someone who's such a precision thrower that can throw him open and utilize that two way go if he's in the slot and and his route running ability and um you know and he's he's got some speed and, and can make some plays after the catch, I just feel like he could really, really, really take off. And that would be exciting on a rookie contract to have Jerry Judy become the next Devontae Adams rather than just spending everything to go get the current Devontae Adams. But yeah, again, you'd still be you'd still be hoping quite a bit too, because no Judy hasn't shown that yet.
2: No, but boy I like the player a ton and just I mean feel like I should have should pick him up in dynasty at all costs all of a sudden and just mm-hmm. in case it happens or even if he just gets a better quarterback upgrade in general plus an offensive minded head coach comes in with or without Rodgers should help that whole passing game. Um the one other note of the Rodgers thing I wanted to throw out there though that I find really interesting is he has publicly said That one day he wants to own an NFL team or be part of an ownership group or whatever. You know, we've seen athletes do that. Mario Lemieux owns the Penguins here in my town. There's not an owner in Denver right now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying. Oh, and I
0: mean, you can't really do it with the salary cap. But right. uh, I wonder how ownership shares could potentially be part of that. That is a gr- look at this. See, this is why how I love co-hosting that, a know? show with Matt Williamson. He goes to <laughs> the next level in that noggin. Wow, ownership stake potentially uh, right. for for Rogers there with the Broncos. And I guess it would be. I, I don't know how you work it with the cap, but you know, maybe I don't so. know what's
2: legal by yeah. NFL standards. You can't just be like, we won't pay you a contract this year. You just have five percent of the team or something (laughs) like that and go spend that money on Devontae Adams and Khalil Mack and whoever else. You know what I mean? So but maybe it's a when you retire, you inherit X percent of the team or yeah. whatever it is, you know, or you
0: would have the opportunity to buy X percent yeah, yeah. of the team. And uh, I don't know if is Elway part of that, too. Could, El, you know, Elway I don't know. and, you know, just have the X quarterbacks. I'm sure Elway is
2: going to be part of the organization. Yeah. A big statue of him out front.
0: Have the X quarterbacks club. Just have a bunch right. of rich X quarterbacks come in and, and buy the Denver Broncos together. Peyton
2: Manning as well. Yeah. He's yeah. mentioned it, too. There yeah. we go. Elway,
0: Manning and Rogers owning the Denver Broncos.
2: <laughs> yeah. They could all fight about who the next quarterback is. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, turn yeah. Drew
2: Lock into a player. Uh,
0: yeah. Come, come to think of it, that might be uh, too many cooks for sure.
2: That's some serious cooks. A couple of <laughs> goes involved. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh! All the right, day, I, love I
2: love it. it. I mean, the twenty 2020... twenty championship games or the NFL <laughs> championship game. Yeah.
0: The 2022 offseason is just getting cooking and I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. Matt and I will continue to check in with the quarterback movement, the carousel that will be happening. Of course, tomorrow's show is going to be all about the AFC and NFC championship games. NFL draft is coming. The draft starts in Mobile is the senior bowl slogan, and it's certainly going to be that way for us in that week leading up to. The Super Bowl, of course, after the Super Bowl, then it becomes draft season and, and free agency season. So tons to come here in 2022 on the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Thanks for making us your first listen for your second listen. Don't forget to check me out doing Locked On 49ers daily. You can find Matt with Locked On Dynasty football. Your boy Q is taking you through the sporting bet sports betting world on Locked On Bets daily here on the network and your team is covered no matter which team you follow no matter which sport we've got a podcast for you right here on the locked on podcast network matt and i back tomorrow right here peacock and williamson